Welcome to my mixer. Hi, I'm Moni, and this is Mixing with Moni, a weekly POC point of view on all things from pop culture to politics, reality TV, and of course, so much Bravo. Each week, I'm mixing up my opinions with something new, and I want you to do it with me. I promise to rival your most opinionated, shady friend that swears that they are always right. You're thinking it, I'm saying it. Pour something up, whatever it is you fancy, and let's mix it up together. Let's dive in. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mixing with Moni, and it's Moni. Again, I'm going to probably try and start doing songs at the beginning again. I really do think that it helps when we hear things that we may not have ever heard before, that we may love, that we may already love. Just mix it up, you know what I mean? So that was um, the new song by Ariana Grande. Um, featuring Miley Cyrus and Lana Del Rey, which I think is a pretty epic combination called Don't Call Me Angel for the new Charlie's Angels movie in November. I think it's called, I think it's coming out November 15th. And this song is already going to be on the soundtrack. So I'm really excited about that. I love Charlie's Angels. I don't know why we need what is this, a third or a fourth remake? But, and it features none of those women, but the video just dropped. It's amazing. The song is actually really good. And I'm actually really shocked at how well this song is able to kind of equally distribute personality to Lana, Ariana, and Miley as actresses in their own videos, but also as singers. Like each of their parts are very much so them. Miley being overly <laughs> sexual and beating up a Liam lookalike. Mm, shady. I like it. Ariana being very like childish, angelic, and sultry, but like, oh, so sweet. Like, I didn't do it. Like, she has that going on, but like in her Ariana new age sexy way, that kind of makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but like it works. And then Lana Del Rey's hook is not so abnormal, but it's still very her. And mysterious, a little dark, but like flirty. It's it's good. It's a very good song, very good video. I encourage everyone to go watch it. Just dropped this week in the movie, starring none of them, but I guess featuring this song probably at the credits at the end. Comes out in November, I believe the 15th. So that is one major hot topic. Um, as we get started, I guess we'll do hot topics and then we'll dip into my DVR and I'll talk a little Bachelor in Paradise. I'll talk a little Bravo. I'll keep it very short today just because it's a beautiful fall day here in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area where I am. And I want to be outside. I really want to enjoy the weather. It's like the highest 70 or 73 and it's rainy and cold. And I really want to enjoy that. Maybe go get like a hot latte for like the first time all summer. Just kidding. I've been getting hot drinks all summer long, including drinking red wine. I don't really discriminate weather-wise from my red wine or my lattes. So I want to participate in some fall activities, though, while we still have it because the temperature might go back up. 
So let's do some more hot topics other than Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande and Lana Del Rey coming together to form a great song. Um, I was watching the Dim debates this week. I will say I'm not going to talk about it unless people request it. And I'm happy to do that. Um, just send me a DM and let me know if you think I should do like a bonus episode where I break down some politics from a very um, central way, objective, the way the news is, I guess, supposed to be a little bit, but just breaking it down for people who are kind of into it or want to know more, but like not really into it, don't have three hours to give to the dim debates or any debate for that matter, which I understand because I really have two hours to give to Bachelor in Paradise two times a week. So God help me. I don't even know how I did all of that this week. Some fun things are are going on in the world. Um, I will say I am interested in this Lala from Vanderpump Rules possibly reigniting her feud with 50 Cent. I don't know what the hell she's thinking, but she went on Watch What Happens Live and told Andy Cohen, basically, um, and the clips are circulating everywhere on all the Bravo accounts. I did post them, and I'll put it in my highlights as well on my Instagram page, Mixing with Moni. Um, I am interested in seeing what she's gaining out of this, but okay, so she told Andy Cohen she knows for a fact that she bruised 50 Cent's ego because he asked her about the whole Fofty gate and what, why she did it, what her take was on kind of going back and forth with him on Instagram that led to her man having to pay a debt that he owed 50 cent of about a million something dollars. And she was like, I know for a fact I bruised his ego. I have the receipts and I'm paraphrasing, but she actually came in with, with so much more attitude and so much more certainty. And I was like, I was watching that entire feud from start to finish, from beginning to end in two separate worlds in like the big black culture world where he is like really, really relevant and petty with everyone. And then in like the Bravo world where people were like, wait, 50 Cent is still relevant. Didn't know how big of a deal he was or how rich he still was. Um, And from start to finish, Lala never had a win in this game. Like it literally was very much so him calling the shots from the beginning. He started by posting things about her conversation with Stassi on the show he saw for the first time of her basically bragging about being a gold digger and saying that the first night she hit it with or let Rand hit, have sex, um, she got a Range Rover. And he was like, wow, y'all are boldly stating out here how gold diggerish you are. I used to know gold diggers who at least keep it quiet. My goodness. And she kind of just got so defensive, even though girl, we've watched you for season after season, basically just talk about his money and protect him because he was married. And then literally you're crying because like, if I wanted to get another PJ, I can get another PJ. He took my Gucci slides. Like no one feels bad for you. No one thinks that you're not a gold digger. We just kind of came to accept it because maybe LA, I don't know. Um, But she's now, I guess it's like, I really hope 50 doesn't take the bait, but Knowing what I know about him, his petty factor is so intense, he might just re-involve himself in this. And I really hope that it doesn't come another Fofty Gate. But if it does, I will watch it. I will watch it go down. And it'll be a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. So that's that on that with me and Fofty Gate. But I kind of would be interested in seeing that happening. And I just hope that she knows better. 
Um, and then lastly, hot topics wise, New York Fashion Week has brought all the housewives together of like all franchises except Atlanta and Potomac. And I'm kind of curious as to why. I don't really understand why not. Um, haven't seen a lot of pictures or crossovers of any of the Potomac or Atlanta women in New York. And I can't imagine for what reason other than maybe they're not filming. No, because Dallas is there and I'm pretty sure there's, they're almost done filming or already done filming because their season is airing. And I, I don't understand why they would not be invited to pretty much all the same things. So I have some questions and a little bit of concerns. Hmm. Interesting that that's the case because we have OC ladies there. Um, I posted on my Instagram also in my actual post all the different crossovers in one picture. And it's pretty epic. I mean, we have some Vicki Gumbelson and some Leanne Locken, some New Jersey, Jennifer Aiden and Melissa Gorgo. We even have Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules, Erica Jane. Well, we know that Kyle Richards had an entire fashion show for her non-fashion line. Oops, did I say that? Um, yeah, I did. Don't dislike Kyle. Don't get it confused. No adding or mentioning. But Kyle has the worst fashion of the entire Beverly Hills franchise, in my opinion. I don't understand why she has the money, but she kind of just walks around in like oversized linen pants, caftans, and mew-mews. And so I don't want to see that on my like my New York fashion week. She basically paired up with the designer. Kyle Byling too didn't work out. She closed the store in Beverly Hills. So she pairs up with an actual designer and is like, I'm going to stick my name on it, just like she did the store. And now we have that, which is fine. But all the women did walk in it. That was something to behold because the walks were not that great. I do think Lisa Renna did a good job. I think she looked probably the best because the rest of them, I'm very concerned. Style-wise, we're taking way too many risks and they're not landing. So we need to look deeper into why that's happening and maybe consult some better um, qualified people to give us some better advice. That would be my suggestion. Um, a lot of pulled faces on the um, the catwalk from the Beverly Hills ladies. Um, oh, the Hiltons were there in the front row, Paris and Nikki Hilton Rothschild. I love saying that because if you land a Rothschild, girl, you deserve to be called all three names. Although I think she goes by Nikki Rothschild these days, which totally understand. I would too. Rothschild makes Hilton money look spendable. <laughs> Makes it look really, really, really spendable. Like, oh yeah, I have a few extra mil, but Rothschild money, that money's going nowhere. I just love that Nikki got that come up and didn't need it. Didn't need it. But her and Paris were there front row supporting their aunt Kyle. And I thought that was really sweet. So that is pretty much all I had for hot topics. I just really have questions as to why OC was at New York Fashion Week, Dallas, New Jersey, Beverly Hills, but not a single woman of color from either franchise of Potomac or Atlanta. 
which, or, well, because Carrie was there, Carrie Brittany from Dallas, and she is a woman of color. She is Latina, but not a black woman. And we have two all black franchises. So I don't really understand what happened. Um, but I am very excited about these crossovers. I do find it interesting that two franchises had like no representation there at all beyond just race, but like in general, like, Nini, really? No, Cynthia. She's a model. She's gorgeous. At least Giselle. She like goes with every promotion that Bravo wants to do of Potomac. So it's just a little interesting to me. I did see the New York women there. They did not really cross over that much. Um, there are some pictures on my Instagram of Luann and Cameron Westcott from Dallas. And Luann is very much so holding her and touching her. Like you're a fan. I took a picture with you. <laughs> Which I find interesting, but we had every other franchise there, and I think that that still makes it a little bit fun. So it's all good, and that's all I had for um, Hot Topics. Oh, and congratulations to Teddy Mellencamp on being pregnant. Um, Yeah, that's a really cool thing. Um, I think that we – someone mentioned in my Instagram that we kind of knew that, or she alluded to there being changes last season. I don't remember that, but – Apparently that happened. So maybe we should have already seen this coming, but you can find the information and the news about her pregnancy on the Us Weekly um, page and in her bio, which is linked to the Us Weekly page because that is where all the housewives get paid for clickbait these days. So there's that. All right. I'm going to take a little break and then we will be back to talk um, briefly about Bachelor in Paradise because I am going to do a bonus app with some people soon and then we'll do a few minutes in each Housewife franchise and then we'll send you on your way to go and enjoy your weekends, the view, the day, your lives, a glass of wine, which I cannot wait to have, but it is not five o'clock yet. So that's that. All right, I'm back. And I am going to be talking a little bit about Bachelor in Paradise because uh, not much because I'm kind of, I don't want to say over it, but I'm not, I'm a little underwhelmed. Um, I did like a lot of the couples this season, but I have no faith in any of them getting married. I don't believe any of them are going to get engaged. And apparently who I thought was going to be the Bachelor which is Mike, and I've been campaigning for this for literally months, I heard it's most likely not going to be him. So I don't want to ruin it for other people who may still be holding out hope for Mike. We'll tell you it doesn't look good, but I also don't want to ruin it and tell you who I've found out that it is. I'm hoping every piece of evidence I've been given is wrong somehow and misinterpreted because I want it to be Mike. But Screw ABC. Um, Of course, they're not ready for that. I think he actually wants a marriage, like beyond just the fact that, you know, we're, it's about time we had our first person of color bachelor since Juan Pablo kind of screwed it up for everyone. Um, And it's about time we had our very first black bachelor. It worked out very well for Rachel Lindsay. She's literally married to her pick. So if you're watching the bachelor for a marriage, it's usually what you want to look for as someone who's actually ready to be married. Um, Hannah B was not that. She was not ready for marriage, I don't believe. That's my opinion. But we also see she did not pick any of the viable candidates for marriage either. 
So I'm kind of not wrong on it either. Um, but you're willing to challenge me on that. But uh, I think she was just, she was drama. And the person that um, I have been told they've picked to be Bachelor also would be dramatic in a weird way. Like, he's not necessarily ready for marriage, but he's also not like the biggest fan favorite. So he could give us something to work with drama wise. Um, I just don't think he has enough personality, which is what I've heard about Mike, but at least Mike wanted marriage. He really did want to find a woman. He seemed really interested and invested in the process. He went to even bachelor in paradise invested. And I think he held up because he was hoping to be the bachelor, but Whatever, I'm over it. So now we have like uh, this week of Bachelor in Paradise, they pretty much cut like half the couples and like one after one, they just kind of broke up. And so it's hard to root for anyone, but I think the only people that we know are likely going to get engaged next week. Um, The finale is next Tuesday, the 17th, um, is Hannah and Dylan. I think that's all we got. So that's fine. Um. It's not really enough to keep me watching, but I'll finish it out because I started it, I guess. And I like love. I'm just not confident in any of the other ones except for maybe Demi and Christian, which I really hope they work out. I think they're adorable together. I I feel Demi's pain every day. I can't imagine what it was like filming coming out and being open and out to the world. I hope she and Christian are doing well and are happy and in love and hopefully engaged sometime soon. I would love to see that wedding on TV. And then Hannah and Dylan might be our next Chris and Crystal. Unfortunately, that's all I really got for Bachelor in Paradise because the rest of them, I just, I don't trust it. I don't understand why Clay is taking so long to fall for Nicole. She's so, she's so into him and honest and cool. I think he's just resistant and wants to be famous. And we're just never going to give it to you, Clay. Like, I just, you're too dramatic. I can't. And then Chris and Katie, she's a beautiful girl. I mean, one of the most stunning people I've ever seen on TV is Katie. And it doesn't make sense that he's so hesitant to open up to her. I get that he has walls up, but break them down. Find love if that's what you came to do. Just do it. doesn't make sense that you held her and strung her along this long if you're not interested. And then beyond that, John Paul Jones, way to be a crowd favorite unexpectedly. Tasha is a fool, but I kind of knew that already. But she should have given it to John Paul Jones. He was a sweetheart and he loved her so much. He was so into her. He carried her because she was crying so hard that she broke his heart and wanted his comfort when she did the dumping. And then he carried her because she was so distraught. What a man. I just, I'm so surprised at how much I like John Paul Jones. I would have been even fine with him being the bachelor or something. That would have at least been fun to watch. He would have had like all chicken nuggets at every cocktail party. But Taisha really messed that one up. And then everybody else came either so late or not at all making connections. And that's all we got. We have like four couples and maybe only one of them has a chance of making it. So that's it. Five minutes on The Bachelor in Paradise because I'm over it. And I can't wait to see how it ends next week on the 17th. But it also airs on Monday, the 16th as well. For And I think, or it may not air on Monday. Don't quote me on that. But the 17th, I know it's three hours. I don't have three hours to give to it, but I will give it the final Rose episode after show to find out who this Bachelor is officially and just kind of come to terms with it and not have a heart attack because I already know what's going to happen. And then kind of see the engagements and that's it. So dipping deeper into my DVR, I will go in order of 
Bravo um, airing this week. I will be talking OC, OP, and OD. <laughs> um, I'll start in order of how they were shown. Is that the best way? Yeah, we'll do in order of the of of air. So Housewives of Potomac, it was the finale. I do have a lot of feelings. Um, let me actually go ahead and plug. I'll be on the Is This Real Life podcast with Mandy um, sometime this weekend. I'll post it up in my bio uh, on my link tree so that people can go listen to that if you want to hear deeper about my thoughts of each. She kind of gave me a little bit more room to talk on that. So, um, But I'll keep it brief here, but still trying to get into the mess a little bit and just give my <laughs> straight up honest opinions. OP, the finale was good. It did fall flat a little bit for me. We have Ashley revealing that she's pregnant, finding out that she's pregnant, telling her mom she's pregnant. I didn't need 20 minutes on Ashley being pregnant because we know she had the baby. The baby is alive. The baby is here. The baby is in the world. So I don't need to go back and forth. Is she? Oh my gosh, I'm going to pee on this stick. Oh my God, it says pregnant. I I, I got to go make sure I'm good. Um, I did mention on Is This Real Life the same thing. Um, and Mandy kind of brought me to this term to come to terms with, it doesn't make sense that the doctor made it seem like the pregnancy was so stable at six weeks. Is is that possible? It, that doesn't even seem like healthy to like be so adamant that the pregnancy is so like stuck because she's had miscarriages and it's she's really wanted this. So to seem like just because there's a heartbeat and everything, it just seems to get her hopes up a little bit to be so adamant that the baby is going to be absolutely fine. And there's no, she, uh, he literally said, looks like this one's going to stick. Yeah. There, this baby's super healthy. This one's going to stick. And I'm just like, I mean, I, I want that for her. We know it does, but to be so early, it just seems a little premature and maybe, um, like jumping the gun a little bit, but we do know it sticks. Maybe it was because she was pregnant more than six weeks and he just said six weeks. Can he do that? Can he lie like that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I will say I don't like Michael's reaction. I've recognized that it could be because his being so reserved in hugging her and kissing her in the doctor's office, she literally had to pull his neck in for a kiss uh, when she found out that her baby was had a heartbeat and there was an actual pregnancy. She was so happy. And he was like, oh, that's really good. And I was like, what the fuck? This is not how we respond to our wives being pregnant and having our kids. That's not it. We, we hug them, we kiss them, we hold their hand while they're getting a sonogram and a probe being put up there, you know, hoo-ha. No, we don't just sit there and stare and be like, unless he was thinking, man, now I really, yeah, I mean, I'm trapped now. Child support and no prenup soon because that prenup expires soon. Yikes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't like Michael these days. I'm happy that Ashley had a baby that she wanted, but I could give two shits that it's with Michael, that Michael's the dad. I just don't think that he loves her. And I think she needs that. And it's not fair unless she was just trying to trap him the whole time. 
And I'm aware it could be that he is so nervous. This is the first time he's filmed with this camera crew since the allegations of him assaulting one of the camera crews and grabbing one of the cameraman's butts. Um, this is like his first time kind of filming with them since then because they had to basically film the baby. And maybe he was just super conscious, self-conscious and nervous about being on film and being on TV. But either way, I think you should still love your wife. That's the best way to rectify the situation and make America like you again is I'm excited. I'm having a baby with my wife. I'm so in love with her. I love her so much. I am not cheating on her, gay or not. I'm not cheating on her. I'm not flirting with other men. I don't want to sleep with other people. I'm excited my wife is having a baby. Not please, can you give me a hug, Michael? Like what the, I just can't stand him. And then his response to her mom finding out you get a baby this time without having to do the work. I'm like, no, just deep sigh, Michael. This is not right. He's not right. It's something's off with him. His power, I feel like he thinks his power dynamic is shifting. So he kind of is not in control as much. And she's kind of got him by the balls, literally. So, but that's not my problem. Should have wrapped it up or divorced her? I don't know if you didn't want this baby. Um, so there's that. On the rest of Potomac, sad Katie won't be at the reunion. I understand that she's literally not well in the head at this point. So some backstory on Instagram around the time that she's been, well, she's been talking about the fact that the production crew knew she was sick in the Bahamas before she left. And then the doctor came, gave her some antibiotics, sort of stay out of the sun or whatever. But she said she was pregnant on the trip. And she knew that. She knew she had a possibility of being pregnant and she was likely pregnant on the trip. Robin has since come out and said that she was drinking on the trip. I think that makes me nervous because I know Katie has custody issues going on. And I actually don't even think she has custody of her kids anymore. Because also on Instagram around the time that this happened in like the summerish time of last year when she had her miscarriage. I don't know if it was the summer, but it was in between seasons before she even started filming, because she's only been on this season and the first season, she uh, documented, recorded, posted while having a miscarriage on Instagram. And I think production realized that she's kind of a liability and that she kind of would have exposed their knowledge of what was really going on with her, other than the drama that was on the Caymans episodes of just like, is she pregnant? What's wrong with Katie? Where'd Katie go? Is she sick? Where's Katie? I think that they they knew that they can't really ask her about it without her kind of breaking that fourth wall completely and being like, no, they knew. And it would be hard to edit around. She would have had to literally say way too much because that's just kind of Katie's style as we see on Instagram. But I still think that for someone who drove the plot so much, work around it. Give her like a hard NDA or something. Just give me something because she needed to be there. And I think that although she was not well, then where is the line drawn for ethics? Because we've seen plenty of housewives not be well on a reunion. I've seen Vicky be practically like doped up on Valium or Xanax or something through a whole reunion because she was so nervous about being attacked. I mean, we've seen housewives not do well on TV. That is literally why we watch. And it's like, if you're going to have an ethics line here, where was it before and where will it be after? Does it apply to everyone? What happens? Because we watched Luann be a liability for like three seasons. So 
just give me the real facts. Give me the real tea and at least let her be there. Or maybe send her away. Like you did Eliza Limehouse on Southern Charm. She was there for like three minutes. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, but the rest, the LaDom fragrance that we get from Karen Huger doesn't exist still. Just kidding. That was shady. It does apparently exist. It's sold out. Website crash. Not available anywhere else. But it, it's supposedly there. Just DM her if you want one. I'm like, girl, don't drum a business that way. That You're going to use that to take to your um, production people and be like your manufacturers and be like and distributors. Look at how many people want this. You need to now distribute it because everybody DM'd you. They're going to DM you because they saw the show. Make the fragrance or don't. Just stop pretending if it's really not out there, you know? Um, other than that, it kind of fell flat. A lot of shade from Giselle and Ashley. I mean, they are the queens of it. Um, good on Candace, I guess, for finally being able to pay the rest of the mortgage of her house. I have questions, though, because this episode, she said that releasing her mom of her financial burden and taking over the mortgage for her house, which... Mind you, how are they doing this? Because I don't really know what Candace does other than her, maybe her weave and wig line that I've heard nothing about other than her working on this show. I've heard of no other jobs. And Chris has a barbecue restaurant that I am going to with some other podcasters and Bravo fans in Alexandria, Virginia, that I'm going and to see if it's really popping because their townhouse is somewhere between the tune of $700, at the most, but $750 and $899, $100,000 for a townhouse. I know where it is. It's not a Potomac. Sidebar, none of these ladies live in Potomac, but like two. But that's not really the point of the show because you would not want to see a whole show filmed only in Potomac. There's nothing but big, beautiful houses and trees. So they all live all over the place because the entire DMV is expensive as hell. So she lives on the water in this beautiful in unit town home that is at least $750,000, roughly give or take 50K, but that's about it. The rest of it is, is, it's about that much. I don't know what they're doing. They can take over the whole mortgage for themselves, but she said that her mom being taken away from the mortgage payments and her responsibility falling back on Candace and Chris, it's only going to cost her an extra $1,200 a month. So, but she also said in their therapy appointment that her mom has given her like four grand a month in overall help and stuff. So does the other, I am terrible at math. I am and a true English major. I know words. I do not know numbers. 4,000 minus 1,200, 20. 800? That sounds right. Um, so what does the other 2800 go to? And does she still get that? It's it just the mortgage is all hers, but also her mom's name is probably on the deed of the house. So still not yours. I can understand why she still wants to move. I have questions. Hopefully we get some answers at the reunion, which I am so excited about. I cannot breathe sometimes. I want this reunion more than I want anything else. The whole thing is targeted at Michael. I love the fact that these husbands have come to play, honey. Very much so Peter Thomas, very much so um, Circa, uh, who's that other housewife? Oh, Marcus' husband, Joe, like uh, on New Jersey. 
very, very much so Mauricio and Ken Todd. We're getting real action from the husbands in Potomac, and I'm excited. This Sunday night, the 15th, I think it is, cannot wait. Also, get into Married to Medicine, y'all. It's really good, okay? Really good. And I'll do a poll to see if I should include that in my discussions on um, my next podcast episode, because I do love Married to Medicine. I told you I will watch anything Bravo at least once. Um, yeah, so that's that on Potomac. Reunion coming soon. I think the episode was good. I'm glad Giselle and Robin are friends again. It looked like Karen and Giselle were making up, and then it fell flat literally when the episode ended. Um, happy for Ashley, and... <sighs> Best of luck to you, Katie and Candace. So, yeah, that's that. Can't wait to get to the reunion. And now we will move on over into OC. Oh, um, lots of thoughts. Deb, Dr. Deb, medicine woman, does seem a bit narcissistic, jealous of her daughter. Like, if you're going to the top, I'm going to the top with you. A little bit entitled to Bronwyn's fame um, and friends, apparently. Um, I don't know how much of Bronwyn, you know, feeds that. Maybe she feels like she owes her mom something. But it made me really sad when Bronwyn was trying to tell her mom how she was feeling and literally was like, I feel like you're shutting me down. And her mom was just like, okay, the beast. <laughs> I was not happy with that. And then I was also really... I'm happy that she has a hard line with her aunt not being around her kids. And it just really hurts me that her mom did not support her in that. As another parent and as the grandparent, the mom makes the rules. Whatever she says goes. And since that's your daughter, Deb, that should be a hard line for you too. Even if you don't agree with it, if that's her role, if you want to see and take care of your grandkids, don't just drop them off somewhere where their their mom's rules can't be met. I think that it should be exactly, I'm going to support my daughter. These are her kids. Whatever she says goes. And it should be as simple as that. Um, for someone who is so zen and in touch with nature and the world and reality and souls and spirits and things, and her use of Burning Man rhetoric in real life, which is a little strange. thought it was like top secret. But anyways, for someone who's all of that and giving crystals to all her friends, she seemed very dismissive and even rejecting Bronwyn's feelings. And I don't appreciate that. And I, But I respect the bravery of Bronwyn to be like, I do not feel like I can talk to you right now. And I feel like I'm shutting down because you're dismissing me. That is brave and that is the son of good therapy at work. So you go, girl. Hopefully they work it out and they're doing okay. I'm putting a ban on talking about Tamara. I'm not doing it. I, I am not doing it. I don't know what it is, but something about Tamara exploiting her kids and her family on TV really makes my blood boil. I think it's because I was a child of a broken home um, and actually went a long time without talking to my parent and actually felt like... They were not listening to me and how I felt, no matter how many times I said it. I think that is literally the only reason why I can't get along with Tamara. Whoops, sorry, my phone rang. <laughs> Took the batteries out, so that won't happen again. Who even has a house phone still? 
I don't know, probably everyone. Maybe I'm just, you know, a brat about it. I just don't understand the purpose of house phones. Everyone that I need to talk to has my home, I mean, my cell phone number. Anyways, when I talk about Tamara, because I do not like the fact, I don't like giving her airtime and audio time. When her daughter, it seems, has only asked that she stop talking about her and focus on actually working on a relationship with her and not focusing so much on the show and it being a storyline and using your kids and your daughter and your children's relationship with you and each other as a storyline really gives me a lot of problems. I don't agree with it. So I can't support it. Um, I will say Spencer is a god. I love him. His views on the world and on his brother, the fact that he's like, I don't know what feud it really is because I have no real hard feelings towards him. He kind of just shut down his brother, Ryan. And he's like, if you're open-minded, you tend not to feel these kind of things. And I'm like, what a good man. I just think that it's very distinct, you know, the difference between the two personality-wise, political, but also the way they even handle each other. Spencer is very much so the mature one here. And don't know how Tamara raised such decent children. I assume Sydney is probably pretty the same and a good girl. Um, I guess we'll never know because her mom can't seem to get it together with her. And I really am rooting for Sydney to get the relationship that Sydney wants, that she does the respect she deserves and the privacy that she's asked for. Um, Spencer, I love you. I think you're an amazing person. And I think Eddie's a good man too, but that those aren't people who are on the show as cast members. So I won't be talking about them. I won't be talking about Tamara. Um, Gina and Emily's relationship on OC, I'm sad to see them break up so much. It seems like there's a lot of unrest there, a lot of competition for victimhood. I don't get that. But also, Gina, let it go. Calm down. Like, you're serving your time. You're doing your thing. You took an Uber. Whoop-de-doo. People take Ubers all the time. Like, I get it. It's probably difficult with a bunch of kids, but it's also LA, right? Like, it's California or wherever they are. People, I'm sure there are Ubers everywhere. People take Ubers all the time. Everyone does not drive. So calm down about how hard it is for you. We get it. You made a mistake and you are owning it. Good. But also stop throwing it in everyone's face that you're owning it too. That's not fair. Gina is just trying to be relatable and a good friend. And I just feel for Gina to be going through things with her husband and then to be going through things with her best friend. It seems like a lot. And I, I'm sorry, Emily, 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 I feel for her going through things with her husband who did not pass the bar. Um, Thank you to all the detectives on Instagram who found that out pretty, pretty quickly. Like, Yep, not passed. So all that for nothing. And I feel really bad for Emily for having to go through that because it just seems like she could not be with a man who was less interested in her. And she's making so many excuses these days. I think because she hasn't really left him. So she's making a lot of excuses about his personality being a certain way and his sarcasm being, you know, not understood. And he can't even make certain jokes because people don't receive it well. Which I don't know which is if that's true, girl, because he made the joke that he didn't miss you and no one took that well. You're right. Um, but those don't seem like jokes because if there are ones that you're saying he can't make because people will get upset at him, I can't imagine how bad those are because the ones he's making are also not landing. Okay, girl? Um, happy for Shannon. I need her to get away from the Trace Amigas. I think that I will like her a lot more beyond the whole... <laughs> 
stereotyping of hip hop culture by wearing those clothes to a hip hop class thing, it needs to stop. That cultural appropriation just gotta go. And Shannon does it like once a season or something. And it's not received well by most people. But other than that, I like her and I liked her relationship budding with Kelly Dodd and now with Gina. I think we need a franchise or a season of OC without Vicky and Tamara and just those ladies, you know, I think that'd be fun. I think I would like to watch it. I would like to watch, you know, Shannon and Kelly go on their double date since they've newfound love. We'll see how long Kelly's lasts, but they both found love and partners. I would like to see them double date. I would like to see Emily divorce Shane and then be going on a town, going out on the town with Emily, who is now single and divorcing, divorced Matt. And that would be so much fun. I think that they could give a lot of advice to them. And maybe a fifth housewife, we could bring back someone like Lizzie, who's really good friends with Emily Simpson. That would be fun. I think that we need to look into that because I'm over the whole Trace Amigas thing. It's just not cute anymore. I'm over the bullying thing. It's not good. The captions, the Instagram, the, Tamara is a vile human being. And I've never disliked the housewife in my life. I've seen every possible season that I could watch in my short life of every franchise available, international and not. I've watched all my housewives objectively. If they bring something good to the table, I'm here for it. If they bring nothing, get rid of them. Tamara doesn't, doesn't only bring nothing. She's the problem. They should have devoted, demoted her and not Vicky. And I don't even like Vicky that much, but I understand what she does for the franchise. Tamara, I can't get behind. So I can't even discuss it because I just want to see what this franchise would look like with Shannon being able to finally be herself and Kelly being herself. Because I do think Kelly's a really good TV personality and she's fun to watch. And I love her daughter, Jolie. What a woman. That 13-year-old is amazing. So I would love to see that. I love seeing Shannon with her girls. They are such good girls. And then Gina and Emily have small kids and they're a good duo. I think that, and even Bronwyn, keep Bronwyn and bring back Lizzie. That is my ideal OC. I think that we could actually make something really happen with that. I like everyone else except for the two who are absolutely doing too much to stay relevant on television, like absolutely doing way too much. So much insecurity. Um, and that is it for OC. I hope that, you know, everyone who is enjoying it, please feel free to DM me on Instagram and tell me something that I should be, some way to change my mind, be positive about it, better outlook. I'm literally only watching for a few people and fast forwarding so many scenes, but they're so integral that I use that word that I can't even enjoy. I mean, I like that we're giving Bronwyn a lot of screen time because I get to get into her family dynamic. And I think we need to see a dynamic like hers and Deb's, the same way we have Dorothy and Candace on Potomac um, that's really, really strenuous. And the same way we have Deandra and Dee in Dallas, which we'll transition to next, that is also really strenuous. I like that we have this complicated dynamic with families because sometimes it comes down to that. And I think it's shaped a lot of the way into how Bronwyn is as a mom today. And I like the way she is as a mom. I don't know how I feel about her mom yet. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant, but also empathetic because you're only human, you know, like 
she did the best she could. She had a young daughter. Bronwyn was first, and she was still trying to become who she wanted to be as a woman, Dr. Deb was, going to med school and everything. She was trying to become who she wanted to be, but also had a child. And sometimes when you don't get that chance to be selfish in your life, it can kind of make you come off as a selfish parent and at least a misunderstood one. So I try not to judge too much, but I, I'm interested in seeing their relationship evolve because they do, they are still very close. Um, and she, Bronwyn seems to keep giving her a chance. So I guess I will too. And that's OC, ladies and gentlemen, and everywhere, everyone in between, ladies and gentlemen. I will now be moving on over to Dallas, my pride and joy. And the only thing that will be getting me through the cold months as um, Potomac comes to an end. Oh, Dallas, I love you so much. I am loving Carrie, the new Carrie. I think she is a spitfire. I like, um, I don't think that one Latina housewife is enough I also did not think the one black housewife on Beverly Hills was enough, but I think it's a great start. I also still think we deserve a Texacana's turned into Real Housewives of San Antonio. Produce it the right way. Show us another side of housewives, especially one representative of Texas being a largely immigrant population. Like there's a lot of a lot of you know Latin people, immigrants, Latin American. American born, but still proud of their culture and their roots. Like show us that side with the money. I'm into it because Carrie is fun. She's a breath of fresh air. I do think I'm going to love her on the franchise. I think I'm going to like her going against Leanne, which is interesting because I, I, again, I've said before, I love every single person on the entire Dallas franchise, every single one. I vary on who I love most and least probably every 10 minutes, every commercial break. I mean, my solid favorites are always going to be Deandra and Leanne because their personalities are so intense and so good for TV, so honestly themselves. I don't think that Leanne would disagree that sometimes she needs to manipulate the situation because she is very vulnerable a lot more often than I think she's comfortable with. And I like that as an older woman finding love you know for the first time in your life marrying for the first time in your life to a long-term partner you have to be a little bit more vulnerable but also a little bit insecure and a little protective and also look the way a little bit on some things probably too hint hint whatever deandra was talking about with rich i don't know if he's ever cheated on the end we'll probably never know but i would not judge leanne either for having a look the other way a little bit because she seriously wants this love and this fantasy. And I do think he loves her and I think they're a decent match and he mellows her out and they at least look great together. So, but then I also love Deandra and her husband. Um, someone told me that Mama D recently said on a podcast uh, in, I think Grant, Grant's rants that she always thinks she thought that Leanne might've been a little jealous of Deandra. And I 100% agree. Um, mainly because the first kind of dig that she made at Deandra was about money. So she probably thought it humbled her a little bit and brought her down a peg to where she was kind of on the same level as Leanne or like, you know, more equal, maybe because Leanne didn't always feel equal. I don't know if that's something that was projected from Leanne, but or if Deandra was actually delivering that. 
Because I don't think that DeAndre really cares about you having enough or a lot of money to be in your life. Not that I'm saying Brandy is not wealthy, but I don't know if she her money is as long as DeAndre's family money. And DeAndre fell in love with Brandy as a friend. And then she married a man who's an artist and she's mentioned she kind of supports him. I don't think that matters to her. I think she genuinely is like, if I vibe with you and I like you, that's it. And I love that. And I think her husband giving her donuts for her birthday, amazing. What a man. Like, <laughs> that's such a cute thing. And I said it before. I love DeAndre saying, I'm not going to give up my trust fund. I'm going to play ball with my mom because I deserve it. I'm grown and I want my money. And I kind of dig that. Um, pretty much just skipping straight ahead to the roast. Not my cup of tea, but I think DeAndre is definitely trying to prove that she is opening up more and that she's more flexible and fun and go and happy-go-lucky. So she had a roast that her mom planned. I definitely want to believe that they cut a lot of it out because I know her mama had to have roasted her and I would have loved to see Mama D roast her. Again, a very strained dynamic of mom and daughter there, but so good for TV and I love them both so much, so much. And Mama D is like made camera ready every day. That teased hair and the suits and the, you know, those Christian infomercial <laughs> uniform. It just is amazing. What a woman. And I mean, not enough Brandy and Stephanie. I will say y'all have got to start leaving kids alone. The fact that Brandy had to make a PSA basically about how her daughter may have been acting bratty on TV, but we don't know the full story there. We don't know if she was tired from school, if she wanted time and attention from her mom that she can't get because her mom is filming. And even if she gets it on screen, she might just want her mom only. She might've had a bad day. She might've come and gone through something. But even if she is a brat and we all hate her, I mean, I don't hate her. I'm saying hypothetically, if we all hated her, that, mean, that does not mean we talk about a 10-year-old on the internet. What did you think Brandy was going to do? Like, she's going to stand up and defend her daughter and try to tell everybody to shut the fuck up. And I understand that. And I agree with her to do that because that's ridiculous. We don't do that about kids. We've got to let that go. Didn't make sense when we were doing it to Jolie. It makes even less sense that we're doing it to a 10-year-old. Like, Leave kids alone 2019, 2020, and 20 forever, okay? I love Stephanie and Brandon's relationship. I wish we would have gotten more of them this episode. Um, I love that we're taking a cast trip so early to Mexico to Carrie's beautiful, like, multi-level outdoor house in Mexico. Um, I love that the whole cast is going. I'm really excited about that. I don't remember her inviting Leanne, but apparently Leanne's going. I'm wondering if Carrie Duber will go. I don't, I didn't see her in the promo, but I know she's friends with Carrie Brittenham, the new housewife. So I don't understand why she wouldn't go, but I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, it looks like Carrie and Leanne kind of get into it and she calls Leanne negative or something. Um, I'm excited about that one because we know she doesn't really like Leanne at first, Maybe that changes, maybe not. Um, but I'm curious to see where this goes. And I'm happy Leanne showed up to DeAndre's party with some kind of a peace offering. But she was right. All the things that we saw were not a roast, except for Brandy. Brandy making fun of her and her mama, and her mama being her purse string controller puppeteer. That That's funny. I would have also liked to see 
Um, her husband roasted her. Deandra's husband roasted her a little bit more. All we got was the donuts. I know he had to say something about her because at home, she just seems like she's such a, a, a force to be reckoned with and an alpha woman. So I would have liked to see more of that. Um, but yeah, that is Dallas. I'm excited about this season. I thought that Deandra's party seemed fun and beautiful. Her mom threw it. That was a shock. Um, and then other than that, it seemed like a good, decent episode. Not too much drama, but it was like enjoyable to watch start to finish. I liked seeing Deandra and Leanne even have a separate meetup where Deandra invited her to her party. Um, and I liked seeing that olive branch be extended. But I'm interested at the hypocrisy because Leanne was kind of like, I don't know why she's inviting me, but you also just invited Brandy to your wedding like three scenes before that at a private little dinner because y'all have reconciled. And Brandy was like, this seems a little premature or like a last minute wedding thought, but I'll go. Um, I'm curious to see if she actually goes. But I like these olive branches, but Leanne kind of take it with a grain of salt. You know, maybe she's just really being open. Um, we'll never know for sure. Maybe you might know better than we do, but it seems like Deandra's being open. So let's give her a shot, shall we? She did go to the party, so I'm glad that she actually showed up. Um, Cameron was there, and I love Cameron. I just love this cast. They're so individually unique, but somehow they work as a friend group. It's it's strange, but excited to see what Mexico looks like, and I'm going to go get water because I am parched, but that's it for dipping into my DVR, and that's it for mixing with Monty today. I think it was a good, decent, solid Bravo week. I cannot wait until some of our favorites come back, like New Jersey. I'm waiting. I'm itching. Andy, give me Jersey. I cannot wait for Pump Rolls. Someone told me we should get a trailer next month. I think that's really soon, but I'm hoping so. And then like eight or nine weeks, we might be seeing Pump Rolls come back to our screens, everyone. I'm excited. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. So I am done today. And Bravo has been a good time. Bachelor has been a good time. Let me know your thoughts. Can't wait to DM with more of you. Hopefully I'll get to a thousand soon and I can kind of give everyone my, um, a, a special episode once I get to a thousand. So everyone have a great week, great weekend and a great week and watch some TV. Don't forget to mix it up. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Mixing with Moni. If you'd like to connect with me more, follow me on Instagram at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. That's where you can find a bunch of Bravo and pop culture related content, news, and of course, some shady fun memes. Also, my DMs, feel free to come talk to me about anything you want, TV, Bravo, or even your one-star feelings and opinions about the podcast. Otherwise, definitely rate, review, and subscribe. I can't wait to connect with you guys more, and I'll talk to you next week.